0: God bless and welcome to the teaching ministry of the Word for this Rock of Ages 1983. This past year, our 41st, our theme has been unity. And in 1983, our theme is reaching reaching the world with the word, Go Tell. And I'd, I'd like to open this Rock of Ages 1983 on the subject of yoke with the master. Yoked with the Master. Personal dedication is not an option, but a necessity. If you'd like to put it another way, I could say personal commitment is not an option but a necessity. This morning I went into that little area below the upper room called the snack shop at the Way International. And there hanging up on one of those hand carved eight by eights was a neck yoke. A neck yoke that I remember as a little as a young man, as a young boy, that we used. This is that neck yoke, where you put the collar on the horse and then you put the harness on them, and at the bottom of the harness there's a snap that snaps in on this side There's another snap that snaps in on this side, and this is called a neck yoke because it keeps the two horses tied together. I remember this particular neck yoke so well because when I used to be plowing corn and other things, this horse over here had a habit of always wanting to nibble on the neck yoke. So we wound some wire around it so that whenever that horse would nibble, he'd get his mouth in the wire. But this is a neck yoke from this particular part of our country anyways. And then you'd put the tongue of the corn plow or whatever you had through here, and these two animals would be yoked together. If you ever get into the snack shop, it's perhaps the most unique and quaint snack shop in America with all of these old farming equipments in it. You see, when it comes to being yoked, that's a neck yoke you usually took your oldest and most knowledgeable and trained and trustworthy animal they were the best trained and the most knowledgeable horses and you'd make that horse your lead horse and likewise in the bible it they The oxen were yoked together in a little different fashion. And I think I'll go down here and show this to you. Here you have a wonderful picture, biblically, of two oxen yoked together. See the yoke over here? There's a record in Acts 26, and Sherry, you've got a Bible over here, bring me your Bible. I told her to get it open Acts 26. Hey, that's pretty small print for a young man like me. In Acts 26, in verse 12, This is regarding the record of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. You'll find it also in Acts 9. But I've selected this one tonight because of the teaching that I want to share with you. Verse 12 of Acts 26. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, See, he was already yoked. Paul was already yoked. He was yoked to what the traditions and doctrines of the chief priests represented. People, you're always going to be yoked to something. You have to make up your mind what you want to be yoked to. Well, Paul was yoked to the authority of the chief priests. Verse 13, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Verse 14. And we were, when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Aramaic language, Hebrew tongue is Aramaic language, saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And if I can find my pointer over here, it's hard for thee to again, kick against the pricks. You'll notice this particular stick he carries in his hand. Whenever Two oxen were yoked together that carried this stick, and if the one oxen sort of relented on carrying out his pulling job, he would take the stick and put it sort of in his rear, give him a little go ahead sign, and then he'd hold it down. And if that oxen would kick, he would kick against this sharp pointed. little piece of wood that he had in his hand here. And pretty soon that oxen would learn not to kick, but to carry the load. Verse 14 says, And when we were all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? Verse 15. And he, the Lord, said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet. Verse 16. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Thank you, honey. See, these two oxen were yoked together. You and I are yoked with God, and that word there in Acts said that it was hard to kick against the pricks, the pointedness of this particular stick. There's something that we have in our courtyard, at our home, on the door just outside of the snack shop. And it's what we call a double tree. It had room to put two horses on that neck yoke like I showed you. It's a double tree because there are two. And I always liked this so much there at the snack shop. And I see it every day when I go out. And that is that the Way International, we pull together you see you could have one of those and it would be called a single tree if you have two it's called a double tree and i've already plowed with three and four horses side by side which would make it quadruple tree but now if this horse over here doesn't quite pull what he's supposed to pull you give him a little uh-oh. A little encouragement. And that's why that scripture in Acts 26 is so, so unique, because God said to Paul, what good is it for you to kick against the pricks, against the goads? because you only hurt yourself. What good is it to be born again of God's Spirit and not work together to pull together? This is wow. And I think it's sort of neat and wonderful in so many different ways. Because as we pull together and quit kicking against the pricks, we accomplish that which God desires to have accomplished. Because you and I are yoked with the Master. And because we're yoked with the Master, we pull together. I had in writing this last week a note from one of our wonderful women in the Way Corps and in our ministry, in which she said, before our child could ever talk. I always made it a habit. Whenever we got in the car and I had him strapped into his car seat, I'd take his little hand and I would pray for our safe trip. One morning I forgot to do this. And as I pulled away from the house and started down the street, before fifteen seconds had passed, my son looked over at me and he reached out his little hand as if to say, wait, you forgot to pray. That little fellow understood. Yoke before he ever knew the word or could ever speak. That's what it means, people, to be yoked. In Matthew chapter 11, I'd like for you all to turn to it. In Matthew chapter 11, In verse 28 and following is a scripture that has basically through all the years been used for salvation. I do not believe that these verses apply to salvation, but they've used them that way. Tonight I'd like to address these particular words to the great subject of being yoked with the master, pulling together as one. Verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is is light. In the foundational class on power for abundant living, I taught you and showed you from the word of God that the individual verse has to fit within the verse, and that verse then means what it says and says what it means. I showed you how scripture interprets itself. If it isn't in the verse, it's in. You have to watch the context, the immediate context, and then the remoter context. And then I even showed you in the Word of God that I always watch where it is used, because John three sixteen is exactly where it ought to be. If it was in any any other place, it wouldn't fit. Now here in Matthew. Chapter 11, these verses, 28, 29, and 30, were used when everything looked dismal for the Lord Jesus Christ and unsuccessful, and his rejection as the Messiah was definitely evidenced. It is then that the Lord Jesus found his peace and rest in doing the Father's will. He in essence, time and time again said, I always do the Father's will. In John 10 30, he said, I and my Father are what? One. And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul said in First Corinthians nine, sixteen, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. In this 11th chapter of Matthew, in verse 2, the word of God says, Now when John had heard This is the John the Baptist had heard in prison the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? He simply said, Said to Jesus, Are you really the Messiah? See, even the great prophet John had doubts and questions. That's why he sent two of his disciples and he said, Are you really the Christ or do we look for another? and how that must have hurt the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. That this great apostle, that this great prophet John, the greatest of all times, if it ever been born a woman, that he should question whether this Jesus was the Messiah or not. Here in the 11th chapter, in verse 16. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It's like children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have played music or piped unto you, you have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. Verse 18. For John came, this is that prophet John, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is righteousness Worked is the text. Then began he to upbraid the cities. The Lord Jesus reproved the people regarding John and himself. They said of John that he was possessed of a devil. They said of Jesus that he was gluttonous and he was a drunkard. And in verse 20 you read, Then began he to upbraid the cities. Wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repentedness, repented not. And in verse twenty-one, woe unto thee, or woe unto you, Cottazen! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Verse 23, And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell or to the grave. You're going to be totally destructive. For if the mighty works which had been done which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. Verse twenty four But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom or the people of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And then comes verse 35. At that time, at that time Jesus answered and said, what time? At that time, when everything looked dismal and unsuccessful, and it looked like his ministry was a total flop, His rejection was evidenced. At that time, the Lord Jesus Christ found his peace and his rest in doing the Father's will. And he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Verse 26. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And then Jesus turned to his burdened-down disciples to encourage them in verse 28. He said, Come unto me, All ye that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus does not allude to their sins, but service. Not their guilt, but their labor. Not what they have been, but what they are and what they hope to be. Being yoked to him, and therein finding their rest. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor in heaven, laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Being yoked to him, and therein finding their rest. Now, kids, I know very well that being a wow is not without its challenges and opportunities. But I also know, as in verse 26, so it seemed good in thy sight, in God's sight. You know, life is meaningless. Outside of God's will. Outside of God's will, life is merely an existence. Just spending time spinning your wheels. But for the yoked one, life has a purpose. You being yoked with the Master, you have something great and something wonderful. You belong to the family and the household of God. Just think for a moment of wow as a rare opportunity. The goal of reaching the world with the word. We being yoked to the Master in unity We go and we tell. It's like Jesus in Mark chapter 5, after healing the man possessed with the legion of devils, getting him back to his right mind, said, Go tell them what great things the Lord hath done for thee. And he departed, he went wild, and told how great things the Lord had done for him. And he found his rest, knowing that he was yoked to him. You know when you did what it says in Romans ten nine and 10, you were yoked. God made you his son. He tied you up to him. You were yoked to Him. And there are four things that God did and that occurred. Number one, God gave you His gift of Holy Spirit that you could worship and communicate with Him. Number two, God gave you the name of Jesus Christ as your power of attorney. He said, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, believing ye shall receive. Number three, you became God's will and word in a Satan-ruled world. And number four, you became utterly one with him, who according to Philippians 2.13 is working in you to will and to do his good pleasure. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please turn to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to this wonderful record from God's word. Verse 9, for we are laborers to gather with God. That's being because we're yoked with God, with the Master. We're laborers together with God. We are, ye are God's husbandry, God's building. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Just imagine this. Verse 1. We then as workers together with God beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. We are yoked with him to move the greatness of the word. We're workers together with God. Can you imagine anything more wonderful than being a worker together with God? The same God who created the heavens and the earth. The same God who made the word available. The same God who formed, made, and created Adam and Eve, and made possible tonight your presence here. We're workers together with God, and He beseeches us that you did not receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, utilize what God has made available. In Philippians, chapter four. listen to verse two. I beseech audience and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. A yoke fellow is a fellow laborer. To be yoked with the Master is to be a fellow laborer with him. You see, people, God has no, unused, members or sons. And always remember that the youngest son in the family and households of God has the same legal standing before God, the same rights as the oldest in the family, the same as it's true in our country in our particular time. The youngest son has the same legal rights as the oldest son in a family. You see, it's God's divine and almighty wisdom that planned the body of Christ to which you and I belong. And the moment you were born again, you were born into that body. And in that body, you had a place to function. You are taking... Jesus Christ's place, who is seated at the right hand of God, and you are acting in his stead here upon earth. And with your place in the body of Christ comes responsibility to succeed according to your committed ability. And as i said at the opening tonight people personal dedication is not an option but a necessity and with your place in the body comes responsibility to succeed according to your committed ability and with function comes a reward both present and future. And that future word is at the gathering, return of Christ, where you're going to be reward, rewarded throughout all eternity for your faithfulness and your steadfastness in standing, being yoked to the Master now. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, please. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven. Heaven's the seat of authority. And in earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations. The rest of verse 19 must be scratched, it's not in the text. Verse 20 Go therefore and teach all nations. Teaching them to observe all things. By the way that word teach in verse nineteen is to make disciples, to make disciples or to disciple people. Go ye therefore and disciple all nations, all people, teaching them to observe all things what I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the age, or the world, end of the age. Amen. That's why I'd like for you to be a while, go while, because you're yoked with the Master. You will not only have the joy of tremendous blessings in the now, but God's rewards throughout all ter- eternity. Personal dedication is not an option but an necessity. So if you haven't signed up yet to go well, why don't you sign up? Be a well, go well. Be yoked with the Master and move the greatness of the Word. Father, I thank you for your love, your grace, your goodness. Thank you for your wonderful presence and power. And I thank you, Father, that every born-again believer is yoked with you. And I thank you for the joy of serving and blessing people throughout the entire world. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.